0: You're listening to the Theology Mom Podcast. And now, here's Theology Mom, Krista Bontrager. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to tonight's live stream. I'm so glad you're here. I've entitled this broadcast, The Normalization of Witchcraft and How Your Child is Being Targeted. And think of this as sort of a bonus episode to my current teaching series about the end of the world. I did a teaching a couple of weeks ago about the spirit world versus the physical world, and I thought it would be good to have a little side conversation about the issue of witchcraft. And the reason I picked that topic is, one, that it's very timely, uh, but two, is that it's a great practical example of the intersection between the spirit realm and the physical realm. And as witchcraft continues to rise in popularity in the West, especially among tween and teenage girls, boys are attracted to the supernatural realm too. It just tends to look a little different, but I have seen so many examples in my personal ministry where young people get attracted to dark places. And I, don't know i don't feel confident yet that um a whole lot of christian parents have enough awareness of this issue or how to discuss it with their kids so i thought i'd try to offer a few thoughts offer some some coaching on this issue all right let's begin with uh maybe a little brief overview of what we accomplished last time in our discussion about Uh, the invisible world versus the visible world, or what we sometimes call the spirit realm versus the physical realm. We outlined some of those critical features. And we said that the things that um, reside in the spirit realm or the invisible world are the triune God, angels, the demonic realm, and the eternal state, heaven and hell. And in the physical realm, we have things that I like to call planets, plants, poodles, and people, we uh toward the end of the teaching we mentioned some of the ways that the spirit realm sometimes intersects or enters into the physical realm things such as angelic appearances that we read about in the Bible supernatural dreams visions even the incarnation of Jesus which is what we just celebrated just a few days ago for Christmas Another great example and this pertains to our teaching tonight um that if you are a a true born again christian then the holy spirit lives inside of you it says in 1 corinthians chapter 6 <clears throat> do you not know that your bodies are temples of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have received from god you are not your own you were bought with a price therefore honor god with your bodies so even our body um our soul is a habitation For the Holy Spirit. We are living, breathing examples of the invisible world inhabiting the visible world. Now, if you are not a Christian, then the Bible says that the demonic realm can actually influence or control your mind. It can distort your thinking. It can deceive you into believing lies. And sometimes demons even come to inhabit your body. It says, for example, In Ephesians chapter two, in the first couple of verses, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. It's describing the world of the non-Christian, the person who is far from Jesus, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That's a, a way of referring to the devil, to Satan, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So in this way, the spirit realm also invades the physical realm. In the life of the non-Christian, the the demonic realm can impact us. It can, can sometimes even control us. So when we're talking about witchcraft, we are talking in broad terms about people who reside in the physical world who are trying to access the power of the spirit realm, often for the purpose of controlling the physical realm. So practices such as witchcraft and astrology, horoscopes, Ouija boards, tarot cards, talking to the dead, fortune telling, spell casting, these are all attempts by humans to access the power of the spirit realm, to, to create that intersection between the physical realm and the spirit realm, but to do it apart from the power of the Holy Spirit and to do it for that person's own purposes in order to control people and situations in the physical realm. So using the spirit realm to control and manipulate situations in the physical realm and people who engage in these activities, in the beginning, the power can be very seductive. There can be a pull toward that. But in, in my experience in ministry, I've seen in many cases of this where people who, who dabble in these activities and then go deeper, deeper down this road, they can end up being very damaged. And in some cases they can become uh, physically sick and even mentally ill. So this, when we talk about the power of the, of the spirit realm, we need to know that that power is real, but that if we are not accessing the power of the Holy Spirit, which gives us access to the Father, we're accessing that spirit realm through some other means. It can be very dangerous. And this is why it is vital to educate our Christian children about these issues because practices related to witchcraft are becoming more and more mainstream in the west so what kind of prompted me to put this teaching together was last week i was on facebook and my internet friend uh marcia montenegro who is a former um, astrologer i think she was like captain of the astrology association at one time she was really deep into the new age and she's now a christian missionary she does wonderful work um chronicling and, and talking and teaching us about the new age well she made a post that disney was selling tarot cards with disney characters on them and now i know marcia to be a meticulous researcher but my first reaction was no way <laughs> so naturally i had to do a quick search and looky here look what came up uh, right on amazon so uh i was like wow look at all of these so scroll down a little bit bob because there's a few of them here of the Disney villains, Nightmare um, for Christmas, Alice in Wonderland. So there's there's several of these variations from Disney of tarot cards. It's very interesting. and you can um, you know look at some of your favorite characters, but they're for kids. I was like, whoa, I had no idea that that Disney was was on this train. And so for those of you who aren't aware, using tarot cards is basically a way of inviting demons to to communicate with you, to hang out with you. Uh, Tarot cards offer a place where the user invites demons from the spirit realm to cross into the physical realm. And this is something that Christians should have nothing to do with. It's, It's a way of fortune telling. And in the Christian worldview, we entrust our future to God. And we don't peer into those things in the future other than the things that God has revealed to us through scriptures. But um, in the the witchcraft realm, in the world of the demonic, people try to access information about their future using these tarot cards. So let's just be clear right now. There's no such thing as redeeming tarot cards, okay? We're not going to Jesus-fy them. Uh, and and create Jesus tarot cards that's that's not what we were going to be up to that's a tool of of witchcraft it's involving peering into the future but another trend that I have noticed that is continuing to grow in popularity especially among tween and teen girls is spell casting and I saw this yesterday on the Walmart website and I know it was in some Christmas mailers of Basically a toy mimicking of witchcraft. I don't know what to call this thing. It's teaching, it's geared toward children to teach them the basics of witchcraft, the basic steps. I don't even know how to respond to this, but it wants 54 of your hard-earned dollars. Now, uh, this is something... I think what strikes me about this toy is that it takes something real, which is witchcraft and trying to access the spirit realm and turns it into a kid's toy. But again, the power behind the witchcraft is very real. Um, Another example that I've seen recently of spell casting among teenagers is using emojis for spell casting. Just, you can just Google it. There's several articles on the internet about this, Um, There's one, I think it'll probably be like your top hit, that is an article on the vice.com website, which is a news, I'm using the word news loosely, uh, site for young people. And um, so it's, it's showing how young people use emojis, those little icon pictures on your phone to engage and craft a spell. And so when I'm talking about spell casting, I I might want to define my terms there for a minute. Um, It's basically the practice of trying to access or control the spirit realm by calling on demons to assist you in some way. Now this could be fairly innocuous or seem fairly innocuous, like asking them to help you find your car keys, (laughs) or they could be more insidious to maybe harass someone that you don't like um by making them sick or bringing calamity on them. I guess you know, if you have a bad breakup with your boyfriend and you're an angry teenage girl, you might craft a spell to invite demons to harass him. That's what spell casting is. Uh just one more quick example that I thought was really interesting. My my husband's cousin sent me this today. It's an ad she received this morning from Barnes & Noble. And it uh popped in her inbox. This Enemies to lovers, LGBTQIA+, witchy romance is sure to stun. And then we see some teenagers here reading the Midnight Girls book. That one lady on the left doesn't look like a teenager. That looks like a mom. I don't know what's going on there. But, um, you know, it's it's interesting because here we're tying in two worlds. We're tying in the world of uh, the LGBT issues Together with witchcraft. And I don't think that's a one-off sick kind of a situation, but that's a topic for another night. So, family, we have to have some honest conversation. Tarot cards, spell casting. These things are not for play play. This certainly has the appearance that Disney and toy manufacturers are trying to normalize witchcraft to our girls, especially our girls, but also our boys. Again, for boys, it looks a little different. But I would echo the words of the Apostle Paul when I say from First Corinthians chapter 10, therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Uh, I want to focus on, this is a great passage because it talks about how our participation in the Lord's Supper, is a participation with the spirit realm in some ways. Now, church traditions differ on in what ways that happens, but um, it says, verse 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. We do not participate with demons. (laughs) St. Paul doesn't want us to be participating in the spirit realm with demons. And so we have to understand there are some things that might look similar in the physical realm, such as in this case, the Lord's Supper and having these other foods. But in the spirit realm, we are accessing other demons. And so I would say with the Apostle Paul, that we do not, and I do not want you to be participants with demons, because that will damage you. So that's kind of the overview of what we're going to go into tonight, and we'll get into some of the details, but that's kind of the big picture of where I want to go. But what I've noticed is that there is this thought among even many Christian parents That things like spell casting and witchcraft, when it is presented in an entertainment medium, such as books or TV or movies or toys, the thought for many Christian parents is that these things are fairly harmless. Um, For example, when my kids were young, uh, the big question, the big controversy among Christian parents was, should Christians allow their children to read Harry Potter books? because it included spell casting as a major plot point the set uh the story was set in a school that was basically training children how to engage in witchcraft only we as the reader were all supposed to know that this is all just pretend right this is all just under the banner of fantasy now when i've discussed this issue and the harry potter question with my literature slash artsy type friends they who are christians they universally ha- seem to have the same response they they point out that the incorporation of witchcraft and spell casting has a long history in children's entertainment and it was even used by influential christian authors such as C.S. Lewis and the Narnia books or Tolkien and Lord of the Rings. And they often will say something like, you know, the deep magic of Lewis's world. It's a wonderful and artistic portrayal of the power of God. It's a beautiful allegory of certain ideas and principles from scripture. And then they will kind of lead me into a, a conclusion there that they want me to arrive at, that Harry Potter And and the Harry Potter books are in that same genre as Tolkien and Lewis. And I've always felt a little bit uncomfortable with that line of reasoning. I generally understand it, but it didn't quite sit well with me and I wasn't, but I, I'm not artsy. (laughs) I don't know that much about fiction. And so I would kind of be in a posture of like, well, maybe there's something there. Maybe that I don't see it. Maybe I'm too literal, too much of a theologian. And so until somewhat recently, I had generally taken a position of not taking a position on this in public and in private. I was like, you know, it makes me feel uncomfortable, but I guess, you know, everyone's got to do what they got to do and that sort of thing. Because if I'm being totally candid, I really thought that a lot of Christians who got uptight about their children reading Harry Potter books kind of needed to calm down. (laughs) In fact, we let our older daughter read the Harry Potter books when she was uh, younger. And so in a way, I was living my own advice. And I think that my main motivation behind that position was that I didn't want to fall into some weird kind of legalism where you just never could let your kid have any fun with anything. You're stifling your kid's imagination. You're um, as a Christian parent, you have to say no to so many things. I really want to say yes to this because it's so popular and there's a lot of peer pressure around it. And you don't kind of, for me, I didn't want to be that parent who was the uptight parent. So these are all of my, inner world and thinking of on this issue at that time but a few years ago I did start to change my mind and some of you (laughs) might be startled to know yeah I do that sometimes I change my mind about things um I've changed my mind about many things in my life um so I do want to talk about that a bit because this whole issue of spell casting as entertainment I think is becoming increasingly relevant to us as Christian parents. And, you know, you can kind of weigh out the case for yourself and let me know what you think. If you're not buying what I'm selling, that's fine. Um, Because I think that most informed Christians would know that they don't want to allow items in their home, like Ouija boards or tarot cards, um, books on witchcraft and that sort of thing. Those are fairly obvious items that, even most mildly informed Christian parents know they should stay away from. But what about that whole big gray area of children's toys and games and books related to spellcasting or role-playing, things like the Harry Potter books? Um, and I think that that is a worthy question to, for us to think about together. Um, Let me give just one more example uh, um, from entertainment. Uh, There's a show on Disney and I just checked it last night. I think it's on Disney plus and and it's still there. It's still running. It's called Owl House. And it's a show that is explicitly geared for young children. And um, it's a story about a girl who finds a portal to a magical world and, you know that premise doesn't sound too crazy. You might say it's even sounds sort of like *Lion Witch in the Wardrobe*. That's what the wardrobe was. It was a portal to another world. And then when the main character gets to the other world, she encounters this witch who enrolls her as an apprentice to teach her witchcraft, and she starts to pursue her dream of becoming a, a witch. Now my question is: Is at what point do we start entering into a territory? that the Christian can't simply label this as merely fantasy or fun. I mean, I think that at some point we have to start asking the question, or at least noticing, like we are far beyond the deep magic of Narnia. (laughs) And I think that we can ask, you know, at what point is this entertainment medium, whether it's a toy, a book, a TV show, is it engaging in an overt attempt to normalize spellcasting practices for children and teenagers? Yes. I, I, I hear some of the objections objections that, you know, there are some Christians who have a tendency to overreact about these issues and become too legalistic. But I, I almost think there's a bigger danger among Christian parents of, underreacting and that that underreacting is a bigger problem because Christians in the West tend to minimize the reality of the spirit world. They often don't feel comfortable talking about it. They often don't want to look at it. And they, the immediate objection is that I get when I bring it up oftentimes is, well, I don't want to be one of those people that thinks that there's a demon behind every bush. And I hear that on the other hand what if there is what if we actually do need to talk about this what if the culture is actually trying to orient our children toward these the darker realm the invisible realm and in, it witchcraft I don't think you can deny that witchcraft is becoming more and more mainstream and so I think that Christian parents need to start thinking about these matters in a deeper, more sophisticated way, because witchcraft is real, the demonic realm is real, and real witchcraft is dangerous. It might make you sick. It might make you really sick. So here's, here's kind of my bottom line for, for this first part of the teaching is that toys and books that use spell casting, take something that's real and turn it into play. And I think that by allowing children to engage in the activities of witchcraft as pretend play, at least has the potential to lower a child's sensitivity to witchcraft and its practices. And in some cases, this will become an on-ramp for some children to develop curiosity and to explore darker things. So let me go back to the Harry Potter example for a second. Let's just assume the books themselves are harmless. I don't happen to agree with that, but let's just assume that for the sake of argument. The Harry Potter books are just for fun. They're in the similar vein as Tolkien and Lewis. Well, I don't think it's a controversial observation to notice that there is a huge subculture related to Harry Potter. I mean, there's entire cosplay conventions where people dress up like the characters in Harry Potter. Uh, They'll build costumes and, and engage in very elaborate LARPing. Um, Oh, what does LARPing stand for, Bob? I know what it is in my head, Um, like role-playing, large area area role-playing. In, in my experience, Reading these books can, for some children, not all, okay, I'm offering that caveat, become a gateway to other books in the Harry Potter universe, including books on actual spell casting that use the Harry Potter look, sometimes their branding, as well as other novels that are in this same genre. Let me share, a, for instance, from my own life. I'm sure many parents will be able to relate to this scenario. It's just natural after a child is done reading Tolkien or Lewis or fill in the blank with whatever book your kid loves to inquire, what else can I read in this same genre, in this same group? Our kids ask us that all the time. One of my daughters went through a phase where she liked these books about talking mice. And there were like 30 books in the series and she read a lot of them. So, you know, kids are like that. They, they find something they like and they want to know what else can I read? Is there, is there a series of books? I want to read the other books in the series. Is, is there other books in this same genre? That's um, just a natural next question. Well, a few years ago, I took my daughter to the local public library because she asked me this question and We asked the librarian this very question, what else can she read? She directed us to the young adult section of the library. I was absolutely astonished, mildly horrified to see that basically this section of the library is filled with books on witchcraft. Once a child gets introduced to the world of Harry Potter, let's assume it's innocent. Let's assume it is utterly innocent. Harry Potter is utterly innocent. It is not hard to conceive how the child could easily migrate into other books with darker themes simply by exploring other books in that genre or by exploring the larger Harry Potter universe and its related books. Now, both of our girls loved fiction, especially fantasy, science fiction, They were not one bit interested in my recommendations about historical biographies. (laughs) Uh, My younger daughter told me again just the other day that she found historical books boring. So this was a little bit of a challenging season for my husband and I as we had to try to have conversations, pre-vet books, say no a lot. It was hard. It was hard on our daughter. It was hard on us. But the last thing we wanted to do was let our daughters fall in love with a new book or a series and then we find out like oh my gosh this is promoting lgbt issues or it's promoting witchcraft because both of our children have amazing imaginations they're highly creative and another thing i noticed is from a very young age how frequently they would read a book or watch a tv show or watch a movie And those ideas and characters and words became incorporated into their speech and their pretend play. Um, The images and terms that they learned from those pieces of entertainment became the foundation for what they defined as fun. It became the root of their imaginations. It became the inspiration for what they would draw, the kind of crafts that they would create, the pretend play that they would engage in, it would capture their emotions. It made them excited to see the next movie or read the next book or get the next video game. And all of these responses are very, very normal. I think that, and I'm going to talk a little bit in the second part of this teaching about imagination and some of my thoughts about that. I think these are very normal responses. I don't think we should tell a child not to engage in imagination or, pretend play or anything like that but it it did lead me to a question that I felt unresolved about and, and a question that I don't see many Christian artists and literature types addressing and that is what happens when a child uses things that involve elements of witchcraft and the occult as the foundation for creative play what impact could that have to capture their imagination, to maybe want to engage in mimicking that, does that have any impact in desensitizing them to these practices? For some children, again, I'm not saying all children, but some children, I think that could start out, what could start out as innocent exposure through a book like Harry Potter could for some Strike up curiosity, enough curiosity to investigate those themes and the power behind them even more. And the Harry Potter books or the kids' witch kit are essentially, again, taking these actual basic steps of witchcraft that real witches perform and turning them into pretend play, and then f- flying them under the banner of fantasy. So this is this is kind of the first part of my concern the first part of my thought experiment if you will to to put that out there and to to just to see you know ask help christian parents ask the question are we engaging in practices of desensitizing our kids so in this next part of the teaching i want to outline a little bit more of my thinking about the imagination because what i don't want is it to come across, I think that the imagination is somehow demonic or, you know, connected to witchcraft or something like that. And so I want to outline some thoughts that I have about the imagination. Uh, These are my opinions. (laughs) Uh, It's a theory. Now, my family and friends who are close to me, they'll tell you I have a 100 theories about how things work. A theory is not a fact. It's it's not uh, the Bible. It's simply a way I've come to think about things based on my personal Bible study, my ministry experience, and uh, my observations. So you can think about my theory. You can try it on. You can completely reject it. Whatever. It's totally fine. But um, I wanted to offer some thoughts and my theory about the imagination. And I'm going to define the imagination as the ability to form a mental image of something that is not present in the physical world. Um, and this would include the ability to create art or see a new solution to a problem. Like I am not creative at all. I'm not artistic. I could not draw a picture That would look like much of anything my family if we would ever play Pictionary. They laugh at my drawings Um, I am not artistic. I have two incredibly artistic children and an artistic husband. I am the person who's like in the world of You know, just very straightforward logical thinking and so but I still think I have an imagination because I can see solutions to problems. I think in pictures And until I can see that picture, and and my coworkers who've worked with me for a while can tell you this, I'll be sitting in a meeting and I I sit back in my chair and I kind of look up at the ceiling. Something about that helps my brain rest. And then I am able to start seeing a solution. To me, that's a form of the imagination. And so I think that this is what I mean is that it's the this ability to see something, to see a mental image. That's not necessarily in in the physical world, but you see it in your mind first, and then maybe you might create it, or you might implement it, or you might develop a process to make it to come into being. I think the imagination is a distinctive feature of of, of part of being a human person. It's something that God created in humans because we alone have been created in His image. It says in Genesis chapter 1, in verses 26 and 27, that we are created in God's image, that we are created to rule and reign over the creation, and that we have been created in God's image to do that. Now, historically speaking, many Christian thinkers have conceived that part of being created in God's image includes the ability to create things, to create art, to create music and paintings, um, great works of literature. Or in my case, I think I am a very creative person when it comes to solving problems. Some people have creativity that shows up in a lot of different ways. Um, So all of this, I think, is the imagination is the word that we've assigned to one of the tools of how we engage in this creative enterprise. And so my theory is that the imagination can sometimes act as kind of like a doorway to the spirit world Um, where we were discussing in the previous podcast, you know, there's there is a physical world and a spirit world. And sometimes these two realms intersect at times. I think the imagination or what we call the imagination might be at times one of those places. It might be a place where the spirit world can come in and influence or impact our imagination. And this is why I think Christians need to be careful of what we allow to capture our imaginations. And we need to teach our children to be careful about what they allow to capture their imaginations. So let me see if I can explain this a little bit more. Sorry, my nose is running. It's winter. So for some people, especially for those that God has made super creative, their imagination is kind of like just, their their all the time thoughts. They're always daydreaming, thinking. My kids are always sketching and painting and writing stories and, these are the things that ruminate in their minds as part of their daydreams and their daytime thoughts and, and things that they think about. And these things, um, our imagination can also at times capture our emotions or even shape our passions, the, the things that we're truly passionate about that we want to bring into existence as we're engaging in this creative process. Which leads me to a question, and that is what happens when a child's imagination becomes shaped by and acts out with play, pretend play, based on the worldviews of dark forces or other religions like Buddhism or the occult or animism, and animism is a worldview where um you, you worship creation. Um, there are spirits in the creation. Um, what happens when the things of God are not capturing a child's imagination or their passions? Are they being set up to believe that things outside of the Bible are way more fun, way more interesting, and have way more a way more power attached to them than what we learn about in the Bible. Um, I have a theory that part of the reason that our kids are becoming kind of enculturated in this idea that the Bible is just boring is because they get so saturated from the culture with things that stimulate their imaginations that seem far more fun and interesting and powerful than what they see in the Bible. And as a parent, I've reflected for a few years now on this question of, of what is my responsibility as a Christian parent in what I am allowing to capture my child's imaginations. And their emotions and their heart. And do am I doing anything to orient those visions of, and their imagination toward the things of Scripture, or do things like Harry Potter and Star Wars just seem like a lot more fun? How am I training them to interact with their imagination through pretend play, through cosplay? through all of these things and how can I help them submit their imagination to the rule and reign of Christ? These are not questions I have all the answers to, but I think that they're questions that we need to be asking more frequently. I, I, I think that we need to, as Christians be, do more than simply teach children to be careful About not using Ouija boards and tarot cards. To me, that's like the bare minimum of what we should be doing. We should do at least that. But I think that Christian parents need to also teach their children to develop deep discernment about what they consume when it comes to fantasy, especially if they're the highly creative types. I think we need to disciple them to make Jesus the ruler of their imagination to submit their imaginations to God, not just their behaviors. So here's the bottom line. Everything we do, everything we we do, everything we fill our minds with, we, we fill our imaginations with in our free time, whether it's a game or a book or a toy or a movie or whatever, it trains us to condition our mind to think a certain way. It trains our imagination on some level. And in some cases, it fills our minds with meditations about the spirit world. How do we help our children choose to take every thought captive to Christ? How can we teach them to meditate on scripture and to um, stimulate their imaginations even and take their imaginations to be captured by Christ. And I, I guess this is, this is where I'm at in my journey on this is to encourage Christian parents that, you know, when we see in scripture, there's many, many dreams and visions recorded in the Bible. There's things in the Bible throughout the Bible that shows that God is highly creative. He cares about art he cares about quality art. I mean, just reading recently in our family devotions about um, the the artistic abilities that went into building the tabernacle, and God wanted the finest artisans to be part of that process. God is the creator of the universe; He's creator of all things. So I don't want to give the impression here that I'm against creativity, or I'm against the imagination, or I'm against pretend play. Far from it. Rather, I want, what I'm trying to do is encourage Christian parents to think carefully about the kinds of things that they introduce to their children that will potentially capture their child's imagination um, through that play and through that entertainment. And I would love to see more discussion among Christians about how we can encourage our children to study and meditate on the visions and dreams of the Bible that these windows that the Bible provides into the spirit realm, these are the things that would begin to capture our children's imaginations instead of the views of the occult um, or Buddhism or animism that are the worldviews that, that stand behind things like star Wars and, and that sort of a thing. So I know this is just sort of a thought experiment and I'm, putting it out there and maybe other people will find it interesting and build on it. But this is kind of my thinking on this at this point. I'm really just trying to help parents think it through from a theological point of view, as opposed to giving you just like this strict list of do's and don'ts. I just just don't think it's possible as a one size fits all type of situation. But you know, the reason I wanted to do this it's because I have seen personally so many examples of christian young people who go down this path and they start engaging in these darker themes darker content and then their parents come talk to me about what's happening and the stories generally have this a similar trajectory you know some of the details might be a little different here and there but there's a general story arc to how this goes uh, it kind of starts innocently. The child starts engaging the tween, teen, whatever age they are. They start engaging with some kind of supernatural content, such as spell casting, UFO content, the paranormal. And by the way, as a side content or comment, UFO content, UFO culture, that's often a common on-ramp for boys to get caught up in darker content. So the parents in the beginning they thought it was just entertainment and they might not have known how deeply their child was beginning to explore other things. They didn't know their kid had a TikTok account. They didn't know that their kid was secretly watching YouTube videos in their bedroom and all this kind of thing. 6 or 9 months down the road, the child, the teen, the tween is now um you know, it's been revealed that they're engaging in these darker forms of entertainment usually unknown to the parents, the parents start noticing changes in the child's appearance, their emotions, their stability. The child, the teenager might start reporting depression, severe anxiety, chronic nightmares, or not uncommon, they start seeing paranormal activity in their home, in their room, and that sort of thing they might start acting out in disturbing or defiant ways they might even start engaging in self-harm behaviors then the parents reach out for help and very few pastors know what to do at that point they especially in evangelical spaces they often don't know how to um counsel parents on these issues and it I have found that it is very, very hard to reverse these effects once the child gets this far down the road, unless the child is willing to repent, turn away, and stop engaging in those activities 100%. Then then the effects can be reversed, but that is rare. And here's why that that's the case, is that the child, the teenager, the, the tween, doesn't realize that by engaging in these activities, even if it was just pretend play, they are giving evil spirits permission to hang around them, to harass them, and possibly even begin to whisper lies to them about their identity, about their parents, um, to whisper lies to them that you know they don't fit in or that they're, they're gay or this kind of thing. And so they, they, they don't realize that things that are even done in play, sometimes what they are doing is giving evil spirits permission to hang around with them. And they might not even know that they've done this because, again, Christians in the West don't like to talk about this. We don't want to think about it we don't want to talk about the reality of the spirit realm we kind of know it's there we kind of believe in miracles but it's sort of out there somewhere it's things that happen in asia and africa and what so when it comes into our home it's it's a much tougher conversation and and we just we don't know how things in the spirit realm work a lot of times in the west but the effects of interacting and consuming dark content can be very very real now that's not to say that all teenage depression or all teenage angst is the result of engaging in this kind of dark content that's not what i'm arguing but i have seen enough of it to know that sometimes the connection between the two is very very real so If we're we're Christians, we're biblically informed Christians, we acknowledge the spirit realm is real, and our culture is inviting our children to participate in activities in the spirit realm that involve them communicating with demons or inviting demons to hang out with them, we have to begin, as Christian parents, to engage them in strategic discipling conversations about these issues. So I'm going to give you three next steps, three kind of practical takeaways one is to talk to your kids about these issues you 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 got to have the conversation and I, and I get it like some of you are burned out with the hard conversations like I don't want to have any more complicated conversations with my kid I just want to go hide under a rock somewhere but I want to encourage Christian parents to have explicit conversations with your kids about not visiting a psychic not even if it's at the beach and it's fun and all your friends are going not engaging in spell casting, not using tarot cards, not using a Ouija board at a fifth grade girl's slumber party. Warn them about the realities of the demonic realm that these activities are not for play play. Give them a plan of what they will do if they are at a party where the group starts engaging in paranormal party games. Actively warn them. I did this many times. Every time my kid went for a sleepover, at somebody's house I warned them against engaging in these activities even if everyone else was joining in and they and my kids probably got sick of it <laughs> but to be honest I wanted m- them to hear my little voice inside their heads when these situations popped up in real life I wanted them to hear those warnings now you know I I know that this could be hard because Christian parenting seems like it's changing so fast right now and spellcasting is so mainstream that trust me your kids there is there is a strong possibility that your kids are encountering spellcasting in their friend group at their school um or engaging in that in the media just one example my best friend her daughter was i think like in a ninth grade speech class and they were doing the how-to speech. You know how every, every speech class, you got to do the how-to speech. There was a child in her daughter's speech class who was giving a how-to speech on how to engage in astral projection. Astral projection is a form of the demonic. It's, it's, it's the ability to leave your, your physical body, to have your soul detached from your physical body, and to travel, to engage in spirit realm travel. This is a highly demonic practice. And here is this ninth grader explaining in a how-to speech um, how to do that. And so you might think that you got your kid in this little incubator, and certainly there's nobody in their friend group that's um, you know thinking about these things. But you might you might need to have that conversation anyways. In First Peter uh, five eight, this is a verse that came to my mind as I was reflecting on this. It's to really teach our children that the enemy is an he's a, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know, that is what the enemy is up to for our kids. He's looking for our kids and kids are so vulnerable. They don't they don't even know what's happening. So we have to teach our kids to be alert, sober-minded. The enemy is looking for someone to devour and we have to have that intentional discussion with them in an age-appropriate way, but to let them know like, hey, Jesus has plans and purposes for your life, but there's also the reality that the enemy also has plans for your life, the plan of destruction, a plan of getting you away from God, a plan of getting you away from the loving care of your parents. And these are the kind of conversations that we had to have with our ki- with our kids, um, multiple Times just to let them know, like, hey, we're here. We're the safe people. And if this thing happens in a party, you can call us anytime. We will come get you. We'll come pick you up. Because these on-ramps to the demonic realm can really begin to to poison our soul, poison our kid's soul. So we want to help them be alert and be sober-minded about it. Number two is ask the Lord whether... You need to remove any items from your home or stop allowing your children to engage with certain content. So now you're just looking around, kind of taking an inventory on what have we done so far? You know, am I inadvertently normalizing witchcraft in our home, normalizing the occult by allowing my children to engage with it under the banner of entertainment? Ask for the Lord to help reveal this to you. It says in James chapter 1 that, the Lord will give you wisdom when you ask, ask him for help on this step. And sometimes we walk that difficult line because there's 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 great works of fiction where magic is used as a storytelling convention, but it it's used to illustrate principles that are consistent with our worldview. But we can't always assume that's the case. So we need to think about all right, what toys, games, shows, movies are my kids in consuming? Am I what books are they reading in the local public library? Do I know what they're reading? And so we have to be discerning. We have to teach our kids how to be discerning about these things. Um, we also have to be willing to think about, and this is a little bit, a little bit tricky, but we also have to think about and ask the Lord for help to reveal in case we have engaged in witchcraft practices inadvertently in the home. Um, I'm seeing more and more posts on social media by Christian women talking about burning sage in their home as a way of cleansing the energy from their their house. Friends, that's witchcraft, okay? That's just basic witchcraft 101. Um, So if you have a new house or a new apartment, I get it, you don't know what's happened there, just pray in your home. Ask the Holy Spirit for help to cleanse the home of any remaining evil forces that might be lingering there. That's a reasonable biblical idea, but please do not go through the ritual of burning sage to cleanse the energy from your house. That's witchcraft. So think about that. Ask for the Lord's help. Have I engaged in practices as a child, as a teenager, as a parent, where, you know, I have engaged in witchcraft, ask for the Lord's forgiveness, repent from that, turn away. 3 a final point is carefully pre-screen your child's entertainment choices so that they are in line with your biblical convictions and as they grow up help them to develop discernment about their entertainment choices this is so vital because you want to i know it can feel like just this this time suck <laughs> of pre-vetting things for your kids when they're young but it, it's it's vital and and i know that i saw the effects on it when i was lax in this area um but even more importantly is the ability to train your child that as they grow older they can make these kinds of decisions for themselves so i hope you found it helpful um send me your comments send me what you hate <laughs> why you're not following me anymore because i trashed harry potter So, um, anyways, I hope you found it helpful and, um, yeah, message me. This is still things that I'm thinking through. It's been a long journey for me, but, um, hopefully I gave you some things to think about and try to orient you toward the Christian worldview as you're engaging with your kids on these very important discussions. Thank you so much for watching. God bless and good night. Be sure to follow theology mom on Facebook And like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. Don't forget to catch Krista next week for more theology fun on Theology Mom and all the things. Thanks for listening.